0: Father God, we come to You this morning just gathering to exalt the name of Jesus. We want to make His name known and we want to lift up a joyful noise to You this morning as we, we have been. And we look to Your Word now in this moment and pray that You would um, convict us, um, God, in, in areas where, where maybe we've, we've leaned on our own power and not the power of the Gospel. We've leaned on the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of You, our Lord. God, I pray that most of all, after the conviction, we would be comforted and encouraged by the Spirit that dwells inside of us who believe. We would be encouraged that the power doesn't rest in us, God. That it's in our weakness that we're made strong, God. It's, it's in our brokenness. It's in our sinfulness that You make Your name known. You show that You use, You choose those least likely, those who had no hope to bring glory to Your name. And I pray that You would just be with us in this time to, to see the power of the Gospel. Maybe to, to the person here who doesn't know You, that they would see the power of the Gospel for the first time and You would save them. And to us who have, who have lost this sense of the power of the Gospel, who have, who have lost touch with the joy that is found in the Gospel alone, that, 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 that fire would be renewed. God, and we would be faithful to evangelize those who do not know You. We would go and we would share the Gospel we would teach Jesus Christ and Him crucified and rest in the power. And to one another, to, the, to this church family you've called us to, saints, saved by Your grace, I pray that we would dive in deeper. I pray that we would see that we've been given godly wisdom and we should seek it out through Your Word. We should seek out not just knowledge, but the wisdom to apply it to our life and to our situation and our circumstances. That You would be glorified and we would put Jesus into perspective. Lead us in this time. Thank you for loving us, your people, and sending your Son to die for us, your people. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through this series, it's the basics, dealing with gospel implications in just different areas of our life. Last week we talked about reconciliation. Since God has reconciled us to Himself, we can and should be reconciled to one another. And that's not just our our friends, this is our enemies also. This is what makes the gospel difficult. This is what makes Christian living not so appealing. When we can no longer say, well that's that's a person who hates me, let them be accursed, right? Just forget them. We know about imprecatory prayers. We, we know about those who are ungodly and how uh, they can and even should be treated. But what it says from God's Word is that as long as the ball is in our court, we are to seek peace and reconciliation with that person while not watering down the truth. It's radical. The Gospel is not calling us to continue living as the dead person God met us as but to walk in newness of life as we've been raised to do so. And as we come to this text this morning in 1 Corinthians 2, what we're dealing with is, is wisdom. Not just knowledge, wisdom. You see, we can gain all kinds of knowledge but lack wisdom. We could gain all kinds of, of Christian knowledge. Maybe we could, we could go take a doctrinal quiz on uh, the internet, right? the big world wide web as Pastor Gary Fox says. We take it and we pass it with flying colors, but we don't live it out. We don't know how to apply it. Therefore, we lack wisdom. But Christians should not and cannot lack godly wisdom. It's been given to us. You have it. You possess it. Now let's access it. Let's understand it in a deeper way this morning. main point for us is that God's people can understand God's wisdom. God's people can understand God's wisdom. And we should. We should understand God's wisdom. We should understand godly wisdom. This isn't something that should be separated from our life and from our daily life and from our our way of living. We should access this. It's been given to us. Wisdom. We can understand God's Word. When we come across passages that are difficult to understand, this is where James says, "You, you don't have it if you lack godly wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask and you will receive. But typically, we're asking for the wrong things. We're not asking for wisdom. You want to know why the bank account's low. Don't ask for the money. Ask why you don't have the money. right? Ask God, what are you doing here? What are you teaching me? What, are you, what do you want me to understand, God? I pray that it would be Your will done and not my own. And that's what we hope for. What I want to look at for us this morning as we progress through 1 Corinthians 2 is the power of the Gospel, the people of the Gospel, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Power, people, and person. Point number one is power. These first five verses that we've already gone through deal with the power of the gospel. Now, remember, Paul's context here in the writing to the church of Corinth, when he had gone there, it seems as though he didn't use all of his scholarly language that we, we find he uses in um, the, the letter to the church of Rome, right? In Romans, we see that he's very intelligent. We see an Acts that. He's not only perceived as intelligent, but the other apostles know that Paul's intelligent. He's leading the early church and church planting, this church planting movement. He's no fool. But it teaches us something different about how Paul addressed them. And maybe it came across as Paul was kind of like a looney tune. Because they were used to, to great philosophers and, and scholars coming in. And then Paul comes in and doesn't use lofty speech or wisdom. But why does he not do that? Listen to this in verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read it again. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is one of my favorite passages, 1 Corinthians 2. Because we see how we are to interact with the world and we see how we're going to see how we are to interact with one another, particularly with evangelism. When we go out, what are we saying? How are we speaking? What are we speaking? And how are we talking to one another within the church context? And he says here, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul knows an abundance of things. The Holy Spirit is directing him to pin down these letters. To pin down God's very own Word. But to this church, who we read in 1 Corinthians is very corrupt, he's leaning here back into the Gospel. And not his presentation of the Gospel. And how it was lofty and had a cool PowerPoint and it looked good and it was marketed well, but that he didn't do anything except for he knew nothing among them except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And He goes on, He says, And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and much trembling. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And you see, culture, Christian culture particularly has put this weight on our shoulders that our gospel presentation, our testimonies, have to be up to a certain level. They've got to meet a certain criteria or else they're not good enough. You've got to know certain language and certain verbiage and certain terminology to be able to to share the gospel in an effective way. Church, it's nonsense whether or not you say saved, whether or not you say born again, whether or not you say soteriology. It's the same thing. Salvation. We'd be saved, regenerated. You could say born again. You might get a question like Jesus did with Nicodemus, but you're going to use the same wording. It doesn't matter how fancy you make it. And we've got to change this culture within the church. We need to change this culture within the church, because we should not rest in the power of man, not in the power of our words, not in the power of our presentation, but in the power of the gospel. Are you following with me this morning, church? And he says it, my speech, my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And how often do we see that when a pastor gets up and leave, part of the flock, the congregation, goes with him? And they may not follow him, but they're at least going home, and they're not coming back. Why? Do we lean too much on on the wisdom of men, on the knowledge of men, and not on the wisdom of God? Church, we do not have to go and, and give these fancy presentations of the gospel. We simply need to share the gospel and the joy that follows from the good news, and rest in the power of the Gospel. God continually will use our weaknesses, church, to display His glory, to display and receive the glory that He so deserves. You don't have to turn here with me, but 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this thorn in his flesh, but what does he say? As irritating as it is, this is what Paul says about this thorn. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of this surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that, I should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness. Insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, it's in our weakness that Christ is exalting His name through our weakness. When we understand that we aren't able, we can glorify the God that, that enables us to share His gospel. That uses us, broken vessels, as a conduit to display His love, His grace, and His mercy. And here this morning, His church, His bride. That is good news. But he's resting not in the knowledge, but in the wisdom of God to be passed to them through the power of the Gospel. See, too often we will exhort all of our efforts into explaining to people why homosexuality is a sin, why anger and greed is a sin, why lust is a sin, why going out and and gambling all your money away is a sin. And we'll, we'll invest all of our time and our energies into this when people need to know the Gospel and see that the Gospel is what's going to change them. Not the knowledge of man, not the wisdom of man, not the wisdom of this world. The gospel. And the way we present the gospel shows people what we really think about the gospel. Are we trusting in our wisdom, in our presentation, or are we trusting in the power? Until people come to know the Lord, until He saves them, they're not going to understand Genesis to Revelation. Now, when they ask you, what does the Bible say about this? Don't be like, well, you need Jesus and then I'll tell you, right? And then they're going to be like, okay, I know Jesus. And then you're going to tell them they're going to be like, I don't like that anymore, right? No, rest in the power of the Gospel. Answer the questions when they come, but lean into the Gospel with those who don't believe. But the people of the Gospel, point number two, we dive deeper. That's why at church, maybe, maybe you're here and you're new and in the past month you're like, I, I love that they, they walk through the Bible. It's because we understand this very truth. If you're here this morning, hear this and don't hear it wrongly. Church is for the believer, not the non-believer. I talk about this a lot. This does not mean if you're a believer, like or not a believer, get up and walk out. But what I'm saying is that when we gather in, it's God's people gathering in to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be convicted, to be comforted, and to worship God, glorify Him, and go back out to be missionaries, to do the work of ministry. Which Ephesians 4 tells me that my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But that won't happen if we continue to, to stay surface level. That won't happen if we continue to cater our services to the outside world. We gather in and take 10 rounds of a boxing match with God's Word so that we can go back out with a happy face and share the good news. Amen? Right. So what's he say? He, he talks about the gospel presentation in, in verses 1 through 5 that... that he, he was not leaning in his own words into his own words, but he wanted the rest in the power of the gospel. But to the people of the gospel, the saints, the church, those who have been born again, regenerated, saved, he says in verse six. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our Glory. So he deals with this, this gospel presentation. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And this is why it's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When I go out, I want to point people to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. That we're sinners, and without Jesus doing that to pay for our sin and faith alone in Him, in Christ alone, we have no hope. I'll hammer that home all day long. Go read First Corinthians 15. It's a very good presentation in the first like five verses. That's the gospel. But to the mature, another rendering of that word be would be spiritual. Not not spiritual in the sense that you know some people like we, we pray and we're spiritual and we burn incense and it's really cool when my house smells good and probably has spirits going around. No those who are saved, the spiritual Christians, those who have been saved, regenerated, born again, whatever word you want to use, we do impart wisdom. And he teaches us something about this wisdom. It's not a wisdom of the world. It's not something to just gain knowledge and and have wrong application. Wisdom is, is taking the knowledge that you have and properly applying it to your life. But we impart a secret and Hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. For our glory. So what this is teaching us is that the people of God can begin to understand the wisdom of God through the Word of God. We dive into God's Word and we come across complicated texts and passages. If we don't understand it, again, James, pray for the wisdom that you lack, and you will get it. Maybe you've been told that, that the Bible is, is full of error. The Bible cannot be understood properly. The Bible cannot be fully understood. It's too, too complicated. No one can understand it. That's not what God's Word teaches us. That's not what time together teaches us. See, sometimes it can become so fascinating to, to listen to these guys who, who seem to, to know what they're doing and, and kind of go opposite of, of Paul's exhortation here in verses 1-5. through 5, They give a great presentation and we look to them and think like, how amazing that is. And we think, I could never be that. When every believer ever has been given the Word, we just don't take it up and read. We don't ask God for the wisdom that we need. Church, let me lead the cause here. Let me be the first to say I'm a part of this crowd. I come across difficult texts and I think, wow, like that's, that's too tough. I just want to close it. right? Like Then all my problems will go away. But this whole series is telling us that what we're, what we're looking at with the Bible and what we want to bring out for us as a church family is that because we've been saved by the good news, we're being impacted by the good news each and every day. In everything that we do, the Gospel has something to say about it. I was reading something... Um, I think yesterday on, on Facebook was actually really good. It was talking about God and it was just saying that we don't ask the right questions. That we feel like that the, the, the Bible is like this, just this big book of all the answers. But really, we're just asking the wrong questions. We're not approaching the text in the right way. But we're crazy if we don't think that we cannot understand God's Word. God gave it to us for our good and for His glory. Amen? This is so important to understand. That we should cherish this Word. We should delight in God's Word. We should draw near to God's Word. Even when it's difficult to understand. Even when the world tells us there's no way you can get this. If you're saved, there's no way you can't get it. You got it. And that's the the person of the Holy Spirit. Point number three. The person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is applying salvation to your life, making a home, making your body a temple. A temple and giving you the wisdom that you need. Look at what it says. talking about the non-believer and and the believer and how difficult it is to understand the things of God unless you're a part of the people of God. First off, he talks about the secret and hidden wisdom of God. So it tells you there's, there's some kind of line where those who are with God, His people, we get it, it's been revealed to us, and if you're not, it's still hidden, you need the Gospel. None of the rulers of this age understood, in verse 8, if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through, what church? The Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of of God for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him this is the scary thing even within ourselves we say hope you never really get to see my insides because if you saw my insides you'd probably never be my friend right we hide our deepest darkest most sinful thoughts on the inside and we know that the world can't see them but God can we know that that God is is infinite and we're finite how can we understand the depths of God there is Spirit which He has given to us freely as His people. So, also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand the things freely given us by God. Church, how encouraging is it to us that, that we can approach God's Word knowing that there's meaning and application for us right there. And not only that, but we've been given the wisdom to discern that. Not by our own wisdom, not by the wisdom or spirit of this world, but by the Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says there, he says, And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. To the people of God, we we come together, we gather, we dive in deeper. We, we've already trusted in the power of the gospel in our life. Now we are the bride of Christ, we are the people of the gospel, the people of the good news. And we dive in deeper, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. That's what the Spirit is doing. That's the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of you right now. Maybe you're sitting here, you're like, this is too much. I would ask you right now to to pray to God for Him to to help you to understand His Word right now. It is that simple. And then if you have questions, this isn't a, a solo mission, come up and ask anybody. They'll point you in the right direction. Hey, I didn't quite understand that passage this morning. Or I don't quite understand, maybe it's not to do with this passage. Maybe this is opening up the can of worms that you've wanted to open up for so long. What does the Gospel mean? What are the implications of the Gospel to to this worldview and to that worldview and to this way of living and to that way of living? Ask that question, and I guarantee you we can see what God has to say from His very Word. And it won't be hidden from us. To God's people, we have the wisdom of God and we impart this, he says. Not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, church, it says in verse 14, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. Church, the Gospel has saved you, has given you life, has brought your dead body back to life, has renewed your heart, regenerated your soul, and you are no longer yourself. You have the mind of Christ. Now, you're not Jesus. Please don't go around Medina saying that and then saying, I'm also a member at New Hill Church. We will have some issues. But you do very much from the Word of God we're reading this morning, have the mind of Christ if you are in Christ and He is in you. Meaning, you're saved. Got all kinds of synonyms we could go with this morning to explain what it means to be saved. But we rest not in the wisdom of men nor the plausible words or lofty speech, but in the power of what? The Gospel. And the power of the Gospel as people of the Gospel understanding the work of the person of the Trinity, our holy God who is revealing these truths to us. See, when we go out and we share these things to the world, church, it doesn't make sense. You, before Christ saved you, it couldn't have made sense. Maybe you could gain all this knowledge. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Maybe you knew all the Sunday school answers. Maybe you're here today and you know all the Sunday school answers. But you've yet to submit yourself to the power of the Gospel to surrender your life to Christ. All you have is knowledge. You have no wisdom and you have no relationship with the Lord, simply with knowledge. But if indeed you've been saved, you have this wisdom, you have the mind of Christ, you are no longer your own, you are the Lord's. And that is good news for us. That changes everything. We've been talking about just different topics and the implications, but all of it is driven by this. It all comes from godly wisdom and godly understanding. And when we grasp this, it changes not only our evangelism, but our discipleship. That we understand, hey, I'm going to tackle the difficult things. We're going to obey all that Jesus has commanded. It's literally a a command from Jesus teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Go out and do that with a non-believer. Come over to my house, right? Send your kids over to my house and you probably have rules and maybe our rules aren't far off, but your kid's probably going to look at me with a few things and be like, "Uh, we don't do that at, at my house. And I'm going to be like, well, we do it at my house. That's, that's, that's our rule, right? People that are outside of God's family, they've not surrendered their life to Christ, they don't believe in the Gospel, do not understand these things. But if you do, we're diving deep. Because the Gospel is not changing you in a moment to walk up to the altar and, and, and cry or raise your hand. The Gospel is changing your every move, your every breath. And it starts here with the wisdom of God which has been given to us at the moment of salvation. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, I want to encourage you. It is so easy to fall into... I I wouldn't even say it's the world now. It's like churches and and us pastors have been doing this thing where it's like we're building this pedestal for ourselves that you've got to go to seminary. Let me tell you, I haven't finished my seminary degree. We're we're saying you've got to have years of ministry experience. What does that even mean? Every Christian is called to the work of ministry. So what does it mean to, to, to have all these accolades and things to build up? If you believe in the Gospel, you trust in it, you believe in the power of the Gospel, then you've been given the mind of Christ. You can discern very carefully. Don't just go and like, okay, that's what that means. Head coverings, we're going to start that next week. Um, okay, where Jesus went and preached to the, uh, the abyss and the, the spirits and the abyss and It's not simple, but it's possible because you've been given the mind of Christ. Do not neglect your growth in the Word of the Lord. Do not neglect the growth and the care and the the love for your relationship with the Lord who saved you. You want to hear God this morning? Turn to His Word. You want to understand what God has for your life and how He wants you to approach that situation at work or that difficult situation with a family member to deal with reconciliation. It comes from the wisdom of God which we've been given. Not the wisdom of this world. The world will tell us completely different things. But if you've been saved, you trust in the Gospel this morning. Lean not on your own understanding but the Word of God. Church, if you all would, we're going to go ahead and stand. We're going to sing one more song I just want us to to be encouraged this morning in in that very truth. I want us to see that that we as God's people can understand God's wisdom. And it should change two things for us this week and, and moving forward. That when we go and we share the Gospel, we preach and teach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I knew nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, pointing people to the gospel so that their faith would rest in the power of the gospel. And then, as people of the gospel, God's people, His bride, we would impart wisdom, godly wisdom. We would, we would share these truths, the difficult ones, the easy ones, all the in between, so that God would receive the glory. So that God would receive the glory through the growth of His church and His bride as He continues to add to our number, but that we wouldn't just fill seats. We wouldn't just gain knowledge. But it would move to our heart, it would change our life, and it would change our actions. It would go from the head to the heart to the hands. And church, it's this godly wisdom, it's the studying of doctrine that is going to flip Medina upside down. Why? Because godly wisdom doesn't just gain the knowledge, it applies it to our life and it takes action. And it goes out. Let us do that. Let us go out this week and begin to put Jesus in the perspective. And we've been talking about this a, a little bit the, the Who's Your One initiative. Who's the one person you need to go and, and teach Jesus Christ and Him crucified to? You need to share the gospel with them. They need to hear the good news and rest in the power of it today. Who's that person? But then who's a Christian that you're like, hey, I would love to just begin discipling them? It's a brother or sister in here today. And you're like, I, I would love to just gather with them, have coffee. And just go through God's word, dealing with difficult passages, seeking to grow and to be changed forever and see heaven here on earth. Let's pray. Father God, we just I thank you so much for this morning. And this passage just always just touches me. As we look at The Apostle Paul and just his wealth of knowledge. But his humility and his weakness. God humbling himself. Resting in the power of the Gospel. It teaches us people of the Gospel something very important. That without you, we cannot discern these spiritual truths. We need your Spirit. We need to be saved. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and you would save them and they would rest in the power of the Gospel confessing with the mouth and believing with the heart that Jesus is Lord and died on the cross and You, God, raised Him from the dead. To us who believe, I pray that we would, we would begin to just cherish every bit of Your Word. Especially the parts that, that don't just confront the world, but confront ourselves. They confront our flesh. They call us to change. And as the world asks us what we believe, God, we would be bold but we would point them to the power of the gospel. God, we we thank You. We thank You for the wisdom. We thank You for Your Word and not just telling us, hey, good luck figuring it out. Thank You for giving us Your Word and Your Spirit to discern these truths. I pray that we would humbly approach Your text each and every day in the morning and in the evening seeking to be changed forever, not just acquiring knowledge, but godly wisdom which is Christ in us. Father, we love You. We praise You. ask that You just bless the offering this morning, the Annie Armstrong offering, the general offering. Lord, that You would take it and You would multiply it for our good and for Your glory, and we would see the Gospel reach Medina and all the way to the ends of the earth. Father, may You receive the glory this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.